0: All right, real quick before David leaves, uh, give a hand for David or yeah, thank you so much. Um, David, man, you've been you've been a great friend. Um, he has been he's preached faithfully from July to December on top of what he already does here at Livingstones, and so he did it. He he did it every week. He did it well. And uh, man, David, I'm grateful for you. So thank you. Yes. you uh, so, all right, guys, uh, in your Bible, go ahead and find First John, not John, First John. And it's okay to use your table of contents too. So um, if you're having trouble finding it, uh, see if your neighbor can help you. First John, uh, chapter one. This is where we're going to be um, for a good while. Um, as you're finding it though, a couple weeks ago I was working on a message for a Sunday uh, message. It was late. It was really late. Um, it was during the holiday grind a little bit, so timing was a little weird. Um, my schedule was a little off eating wise, but I, it was late and I was starving. And I remembered I have a gift card to raising canes. So so good. Love raising canes. For real. Yeah, so I, so I get my gift card. I get in my truck. I leave, and maybe you've done this. As you're, lo- as you're like going to the place you're about to go out to eat, you get like excited. Like, more and more excited, like your hopes get, like, man, this is going to be so good. It's going to be the best meal ever. And I'm driving there. Things are going to be really good. The chicken strips are going to be extra crispy. The fries are going to be hot. The sauce is going to be banging like it always is. And I go there. I'm driving up to Raising Cane's. It looks kind of dark. But I'm like, well, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's okay. I'm, I'm driving closer, and I realize Raising Cane's is closed. Oh, uh, I, I died a, I don't remember what day it was, but it was like a holiday that I assumed they would be open. Not Christmas. <laughs> so, but it was like maybe the 1st. It could have been January 1st. Yeah. Okay. okay. So you can understand my confusion. Some places are open January 1st. Some aren't. Raising Cane's apparently is not. I'm devastated. I weep in the part. I'm just kidding. I didn't weep. Um, but I, I just automatically, okay, what's my plan B? I wanted fried chicken. Extra crispy fried chicken. So obviously you go to Popeye's and you get spicy chicken sandwiches. Okay. And so then this is where I'm going with this. I said sandwiches, plural, Is it more than one. So when you go to Popeye's, don't even mess with the fries. Don't mess with the jambalaya, the sides, just, you're only going to spend like 30 cents more. Just get two sandwiches. All right pro tip from adam all right you're not gonna be disappointed so that's what i did i got to popeyes it's late popeyes is open because they're faithful um, servants of jesus and they gave me two spicy chicken sandwiches and I take them home. I'm so excited. I'm I'm like I'm just gonna be great. I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna get back to work on this message. And so I get home. I eat these sandwiches, and I feel awful. <laughs> so it, it was the worst decision of my life. And I haven't been back to Popeyes because I felt wretched. I didn't leave. I didn't leave the couch. Not because like, and it's like. I just couldn't move. I felt nauseous. I was like on the verge of throwing up like and I'm one of those people like I will do anything other than throw up. I do not like it. Um, not that anyone like does. But the fact that like, oh, some people are like, oh, if I just threw up, I'd feel better. No, I'm not that person. But it was like I just needed to sit there on the couch and veg because I felt so awful. maybe you feel that way just from the holiday eating, like you just need a cleanse, right? I felt so sick to my stomach, and I think like the amount of grease that I took in from those Popeye sandwiches made me feel so absolutely awful that I needed to cleanse just to feel better. But I didn't move the rest of the night. I was on the couch, didn't work on the message. It was awful. Haven't been back since. Nothing against Popeye's. I did it to myself. I overdid it. But... Here's the thing, though. That was just maybe an anomaly. I've done it before. (laughs) This last time, this last time, it was not good. So, but follow me here. Like, we, I needed, I needed a deep cleanse just to feel better. Um, In our hearts, in our spirituality, in our walks with Jesus, we need... A deep cleanse we need a deep cleanse more than we care to admit more than we'd like to think we need a deep cleanse um we can muddy our spirit so much with being constant consumers to the point where our soul or our hearts become numb to the things of god you ever been there like yours totally numb like i used to be sensitive towards things of god now it's like i don't even care Our hearts can get that way fast. Things that used to bother me don't really bother me anymore. Things that I know are wrong don't really feel wrong anymore. Have you ever been there? Truths about God that I know in my head start to become fuzzy in my heart. Like there's that disconnect. We need a deep cleanse, a clean slate, a soul detox. But we weren't the only people on the face of the earth to have to go through a deep cleanse, like a detox in our spirit. This would happen a lot. And so in John's day, in 1 John, John's day, uh, he was living in a time where false teaching was just rampant. People in the church were teaching things that were completely false. And guess what it was doing? It was confusing people. Have you ever been confused before? Been confused. Yeah, I've been confused a ton. Whenever that happens in the church, when it happens to our walks with Jesus, when false teaching is happening and confusion can set in, and this was awful, what was happening. These false teachers were actually leaving the church and causing members of the church to grieve, and they were causing them confusion. So this doesn't seem too far-fetched today, though, does it? That there's false teachers around causing us confusion now the tricky part though is that we have false teachers here today right like not here in this room but like we have false teachers in the world right but the tricky part is there's not like a neon sign and a blinking arrow saying false teacher stay away like false teachers can come in many different forms right what about some of our friends i think i think we have some friends that are probably some false teachers Probably false friends. Olivia, that was so deep. <laughs> Probably false friends too. That was, that was witty. <laughs> You're on top of it, Olivia. <laughs> so, oh, man. Hey, follow me here though. Bring it in. Bring it in. False teachers are not just people that stand on stage and say, I am a teacher and this is true and what they're teaching is false. I wish it were that simple. But there's a lot of things out Of this room, when you leave this room, there are a lot of messages being sent your way that this will fulfill you. This will make you whole. This will make you happy. This will complete you. There's so many messages being sent your way that is saying, I will save you. So many things, so many messages. So much false teaching, and we're just consuming it. Guys, we're consuming so much so that worlds become gray. And when things become gray, guess what? They're no longer black and white. It's not easy to decipher. And when things become gray, things get a little muddy. Confusion sets in. And now... I used to know what was right, but now, God, I don't know because I'm confused because I have so many messages coming in and I'm soaking it up and I don't know what is right anymore. We have so many false teachers pouring into us. So that is why, students, this is why we need God's word to tell us what's true. We need God's word so that when we are taught something, we can stand sure-footed to stand up against false teaching. Is what's being taught right now actually true? Like whenever you walk away from a conversation from friends saying that this will fulfill you, you can walk away from that conversation and say, is that actually true? And you can think back, what does, what does God's word say to me about that? And say, you know what? No, that's not going to complete me. That's actually open up the door in things that I don't need to open right now. Like you need to dabble in things in order to really like feel like you've really lived. And and God's word is like, no, you don't know what you're opening yourself up to emotionally, spiritually, relationally when you walk through these things. We need to stand sure footed and we do that through through knowing God's word. Confusion is not from God. God is not the author of confusion. Not saying you can't ever have questions. But his word is. Gives us the surefootedness to know what's right and wrong in this world because our world is muddy and it's confusing. How many of you guys have ever just been at a crossroads and thought, I just don't know what's right? You ever been there? I just don't know what the... and that's okay. But man, we need people. We need people in our lives that aren't teaching us false things. But people that are in your life saying, you need, you need god's word what is well here's the thing if you if you were to come up to me and say adam i don't know what's right or what's wrong i would probably i would like to think i would say what does god's word say about it i don't know let's let's find it together let's look for it god's word has so much to say about our world and it's absolutely relevant so we need God's word. But John is not talking to false teachers in, his, in this letter. He's not talking to the false teachers. He's actually talking to brothers and sisters. He's saying, I know you're confused. We've had false teaching go rampant. I know it's confusing. And so what I love about 1 John, and you're going to notice this too, whenever we start walking into 1 John, you're going to just notice the language John uses. And he says that He says it. He just goes, I want to be absolutely clear. John is so... Uh, I'm going to say blunt, but he's like, he's so to the point. He's so concise to the point where it's like, man, this is so crystal clear. And John is doing this on purpose because everyone's confused. In a world that's muddy, we need to know what's right and what's wrong. So I'm going to pray for us and we're going to dive in. We're actually going to cover 12 verses, which means we're going to go all the way through chapter one and even start Into chapter two because there's a lot here but it's so incredibly rich so um let me pray for us and we'll start trekking through this oh god would you speak boldly and clearly to us god right where we are right where you find us would you make your presence known to us god for that student or leader here that is just simply confused God, would you bring clarity? God, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears, God, to what you have for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, 1 John, chapter 1. We're going to start trekking through this, so follow along with me. Chapter 1, verse 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes... What we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. All right, so I've already read some things. And it's like we need to kind of, what's he even talking about right now? So John, is he's already going through some senses. Um, he's, what are some of the senses that you see in this sentence? like, yeah, like we've, we've heard. John said, I've, I've heard this. What we've heard, what we've seen. With our eyes, what we've we've touched with our hands. No, not tasted. I get it though. Popeyes, I did that. I'm confusing you. I'm sorry. Um, Verse 2. Verse 2, the life that was revealed, we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. Verse 3, what we have seen and heard, we also declare to you. So that you may also have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4, he says this, We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Verses 1-4, through four, he says, We have heard, we have seen, we have observed, We've touched concerning the word of life. The, like he's talking about the creation account. When, thing, when like Genesis 1, things were created, like John's saying, I've testified, I, I've witnessed this through the life of Jesus. I've experienced it. So John is like giving himself credibility to these brothers and sisters who are confused. I want you guys to know that I've seen, I've heard, I've observed, I've touched and experienced Jesus in a mighty way. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. And he says this, guys, if you have a pen, if you have a Bible, your own Bible, underline this in your own Bible. He says this, it's absolutely clear. He says, God is light. God is light. And there is absolutely no darkness in him. Man, what an absolute bold statement. And what I love about this is John doesn't say in verse 5, God is kind of like light. He doesn't say God's like kind of a bright figure. What does he say? God is light. He is light. Like in the epicenter of the sun. Like there's no darkness in him at all. God is light. And there's absolutely no darkness in him. Do you you catch Like the concise clarity of John. Guys, I want you to know God is light. There's no darkness in Him. It's like you're staring at the center of a spotlight, there's no darkness there. Verse 6 If we say we have fellowship with Him and yet we walk in darkness, we are what? We are lying. We're liars. And are not practicing the truth. Verse 7. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin. We're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9. You've heard this one. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1, I'm, we're going we're to backtrack. So my little children, my little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. Verse 2, He Himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ourselves, but for all those of the whole world. Man, like, just chapter 1, you guys, like, the clarity of language John is using. I want you to be absolutely certain of this one thing. And the one thing is what? God is light. He is light. There's no darkness in Him at all. None, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, so there's a couple things I want us to walk away with in this segment, uh, this passage. One thing uh, is this, walking in darkness blinds us. You're like, that is actually just kind of a everyday observation, Adam. Like I've walked, anyone walked in a dark room before? The challenge is you can't see. Right? So yeah, groundbreaking stuff here from Adam. But follow me here. Walking in darkness blinds us. And I would put in parentheses verses 5 through 6. That's where I got that from. Verses 5 and 6. So it says, we, so it says, God is light. There's absolutely no darkness in him. Verse 6, though, if we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, what's it say? We are what? We're lying and not practicing the truth. See, we can't see when we refuse to walk in the light. We can't see when we refuse to walk in the light. But get this up, there, there is a great danger, a great danger, if we continue To choose to walk in darkness. Now, I'm no science teacher. You ever been in a dark room long enough? Then all of a sudden it doesn't become all that dark anymore. Why? Because your eyes adjust to the darkness. So do our hearts. When we continue to walk in sin... You know that? Man, whenever we continue to walk in darkness, and we're blatantly choosing to walk in darkness, like we're blatantly walking in sin, our hearts, just like our eyes, adjust to the dark. And all of a sudden, darkness doesn't really seem that dark anymore. And I start to do things I never thought I'd ever do. I start to say things I thought I'd never say. I start to ask for things I thought I'd never ask for. Why? Because my heart has adjusted to the darkness. I'm used to it. It doesn't really affect me anymore. What a great danger that is. If we continue to just blatantly walk in sin. Like, I want us to walk away tonight. Guys, the the one thing I want you to walk away with is the severity of sin. How severe it is. Sometimes we just kind of carry our sin around like it's a pet. I'll hide it during church times and then we'll just acknowledge it. That's just kind of something I struggle with. It's who I am. You know, you ever made that excuse for yourself? Just my bent. And sin's serious. And we know why it's serious. We can verbalize it with our head, but does our heart really acknowledge the fact that like when we sin, we're choosing to rebel against the holy God where there's no darkness. He's so incredibly light. Light. And sin is so incredibly dark. So if we're saying, I am with God, I'm in fellowship with God, yet I'm walking in darkness, I'm actually making him out to be a liar. Man, this is serious. Sin is so incredibly serious, and yet we just, sometimes we just welcome our sin and just carry it around like it's just the the weird cousin that won't leave. We all know who that is. If you don't, you're the weird cousin. <laughs> so, but we entertain sin, start doing things we never thought we'd do because we've adjusted our hearts to the darkness. Oh, and God help us, right? Walking in darkness blinds us. That's verses 5 through 6. Second point, walking in the light illuminates others. And ultimately illuminates Jesus. I'm going to say it again. Walking in the light illuminates others and ultimately illuminates Jesus. I get this from verse 7. Verse 7 says if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with who? It's in verse 7. With one another. I thought that was interesting. That's fascinating. Man, we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So, point two, walking in the light illuminates others and ultimately illuminates Jesus. We have fellowship with one another. When? When do we have fellowship with one another, according to this verse? When we're walking in the light. When we are walking in the light. In the light, I can see clearly. Another science, Adams is full of scientific knowledge today. That when you walk in a room that's light, you can see others. Darkness, dark rooms, you can't see others. And how lonely and how isolating is that? But man, when you walk in the light, when you're in a room that's lit... And you can see others like i'm not alone in this room how do i know that because i can physically see you i'm with you you're with me we have fellowship with one another i can see also it says i can see the blood of jesus in verse 7 it says we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus his son cleanses us from all sin so i can see that my sin is paid for when i'm walking in the light Point number three. Walking in deception denies the necessary death of Jesus. Walking in deception denies the necessary death of Jesus. And let me just say this message, man, um, if any of your friends from school that popular group that you're trying to be a part of if they heard this message today this is not a popular message talking about the severity of sin whenever high school life is supposed to be live it up while you can right is that the message you guys get from high school it's okay to make mistakes you're high schoolers you have room for mistakes right like that's what it's but the reality is that like sin is so incredibly severe it ruins your relationship with God it, it separates It suffocates. Walking in deception denies the necessary death of Jesus. I get this from verses 8 through 10. What we're talking about right now is not popular. It's not popular to talk about sin. This isn't a warm and fuzzy message. Um, But I know, because we go through great lengths. Get this, because you can relate to me. I know you can. We go through great lengths to hide our sin. Right? Right? Real talk here, like, am I the only one? We go through great lengths. I will do above and beyond to make sure my sin is hidden. To justify my sin, or even to deny that I even sin. If we try to hide our sin and act like it's not there, here's what we're actually doing. Then we are saying that Jesus' death wasn't necessary. He didn't need to die. Why? Why? Because I'm hiding it. I'm faking it, and I'm okay. We try and act like we are without sin. We are saying the cross wasn't needed for me. I'm good, Jesus. Actually, you endured the most wretched, cruel death known to man in every sort of way, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, and yet I didn't really need it. I'm good. That's what we're saying when we try to hide and deny the fact that we even sin. That Jesus' death wasn't necessary for me. We, we need to grasp and understand the severity of sin. And understand how necessary it is that we have a Savior. Guys, God takes sin seriously. I'm not trying to make you wear the full weight of sin because there's good news. But I do want us to know the severity of sin. I want to talk to you about chapter 2 right now. Chapter 2, verse 1, John says, and I find this kind of funny, but also like I I enjoy it. John says, chapter 2, verse 1, my little children. Hey, little guys, sports, (laughs) squirt. You know, like he's like, you, and it's like, this is intriguing. Like John's never talked this way before. John's never called anyone my little children. He didn't do it in the Gospel of John. He didn't do it in Revelation. He doesn't do it in 1 John, 2 John, or 3 John. He doesn't do it anywhere else except right here. They're confused, and they're his brothers and sisters, and he's showing his endearment to them. Like I love you guys, my little children, my spiritual children. I'm writing you these things, and he tells them why he's writing. He says, "I'm writing these things so that you may not sin." But what's the harsh reality that we all know? We're gonna sin. We're gonna sin. But John says, "If anyone does sin," good, because I'm there, you know. Like I'm good. I'm glad you didn't. Like I'm the only one that doesn't. Like, but if anyone does sin. Says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one. See, here's the thing, guys, and I want you to to write this down. John has already made it clear that we are not sinless. John's already made it clear that we are not sinless. But when we walk in the light we sin less. John's already made it perfectly clear that we are not sinless. But when we walk in the light we sin less. Wordplay, right? <laughs> yeah, zing. That'll that'll get you Andrew. But what happens when we do sin? Right? Like what? What happens when? Like I, I sin all the time. I do it without even trying. I'm so good at it. What happens when we do sin? Chapter one, verse nine tells us: If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, what's John saying? What we? What do we do when we sin? Confess. We need to confess our sin. If you're walking in darkness, understand the severity of your decision to rebel against God. You don't have to carry the weight of that sin, though. But what John is advising us to do and to tell us to do is that we need to confess it. We need to confess our sin. Not just like, "Ah, God forgive me for my sins, but man... God, I, I blatantly chose to rebel against you in this way. Man, we need to confess our unrighteousness. God is faithful. It's not like what you're going to tell him is going to shock him. His jaw will not hit the floor. Like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe. You what? You know? Like, he's never going to do that. We need to confess, though. Confess our sin. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says that we have an advocate. And the word advocate here means helper. We have a helper. One who is called to come alongside in time of need. And this helper helps us when we sin. He is the cleanser of sin, the forgiver of sin, and the helper when we do sin. And verse 2 of chapter 2 says this is why Jesus can be our advocate. Check this out. Let's read verse 2 of chapter 2 again. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. That word atoning can be so easy to just glaze over because it sounds churchy, right? But let's hone in here that Jesus' death on the cross satisfied God. It was enough for you and me. The wrath that should have been poured out on us was poured out fully on Jesus. The judgment that we should have been judged, Jesus took it on fully. The hell that we should have endured, Jesus took it on fully. And it satisfied God. Which means, the darkness you're walking in, it is paid for. But you do need to confess it. I love the end of this verse too, chapter 2. Not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. So it's not only for us, but it's also for those of the whole world. Which means that no one is beyond its reach. No one is out of reach from coming to know Jesus. But sometimes don't we do that where we count someone out already because they're so rebellious. Oh, they'll never come to know the Lord. You know, you ever do that, you count you count your school friends out like this this guy's never going to get it. He's so far gone. We think that person's never going to come to know the Lord. And you may even feel that way yourself. You may even feel like you're so far out of the reach of God. There's no way he could offer or extend grace to you. Like your sin is too much or your care is too little. And there's no way that it would ever be worth God's time to make you a child of his. Let me remind you today of a verse that really brought a lot of comfort to me today. And it was a gift from God to me this morning. I want to read it for you and I want to read it over you. And it's Psalm 18. Verses 16 through 21, it says, He reached down, God reached down from on high and took hold of me. He pulled me out of deep water. He rescued me from my powerful enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. Verse 18 of Psalm 18, They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. Verse 19, He brought me out to a spacious place. He rescued me because He delighted in me. God delights in me. God delights in you. And it's like, man, God, there's no way you could ever possibly forgive me for my sin. There's no way you could possibly want to even have a relationship with me. God is so incredibly crazy about you. He is delighted in you. Man, what if we really grasped that and we walked away with this idea that, man, God in His grace... Allows me to walk in the light, even though I've, cho- I've chosen darkness more than I care to admit. Man, he delights in you. He delights in you. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Because we know with absolute certainty that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And the reason we can be in a in relationship with a God that is fully light is because our darkness has been paid for, that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your weak attempts, but he looks at you and sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus, which is why we can have a relationship with God who is completely light. Let me pray for us, and then you guys will be dismissed to your small groups. Oh, God, you are so gracious. You're so gracious, God, that you are so incredibly holy. God, in Isaiah, it says that the hem of your robe fills the temple. God, you're so big. You're so vast. And God, we are so incredibly small and fickle. And the fact that you want a relationship with us, man. God, would you just bring clarity to our hearts. Help us, God, to throw away... Sin, throw away walking in blatant darkness. God, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us, Father. Thank you that you delight in us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you need someone to pray with, I'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, you're dismissed to your small groups.